Good morning, everybody. I guess there was some confusion on who was sharing communion this morning. It's me. I don't know about anybody else, but I've just been humbled lately. Um, I think we think of ourselves a lot more highly than we ought. And we get these ideas that by doing works or being good people, somehow that gives us some kind of spiritual or righteous claim. And it doesn't. And it's kind of like with the songs we've been singing. They're great songs this morning. You know, it's nothing without God. We're nothing without Him. And as we sing, you know, it just it, it, sometimes it just it just humbles me because I have a cocky personality, and a lot of times I just think that, you know, it's something that I can do or it's something by my strength or, you know, my choosing to or not to do something. But really it's just coming before the cross of God and putting ourselves on that cross and humbling ourselves off of that throne of our lives and just putting Him up there. And... To me, that's, that's kind of what communion is all about. It's, it's, the, it's the time that we come to God and we say we're nothing without you. If we can't partake with you, we're nothing. And I think when we come with any haughty attitude or any self-righteousness, we've missed it. Because we were talking last week just about, you know, Don brought up about the, uh, the, the devil tempting Jesus and, and what he could and couldn't do. And I, and I thought that was interesting because at some point... God knew, Jesus knew what he had to do. He knew that he had to go to the cross. I'm not sure if he knew that from the day he was born or from the day he became a man, but at some point he realized that that was the end, that was the end for him, was at the cross. And he still did it. He, at, when he, whenever, he, whenever he realized that, he still carried on with everything that he was to do from point A to point B each day, slowly walking closer to his ultimate purpose, but in each day fulfilling the will of the Father. And I think a lot of times... We see the big picture and it, it scares us or intimidates us so much that we forget to walk each day doing what the Lord has called us to do. You know, and that song, you know, it said, it said, by darkness was slain. Well, yes, it was by darkness, but it was really God's plan. He used, he used the darkness. He used the thing, last thing that the devil would think, you know, because if the devil knew that by Jesus' death, we would be saved. He would have done. He would have done everything to avoid it. And that's why, personally, I think that he was trying to give Jesus all the riches of the world because it's easier. It would be easier to place him as a king than to have him be the savior of our lives. And a lot of times, you know, in the spiritual war, so many people are wounded and broken down, and that's harder than anything else because then you have to, or, or taken away by the cares of this world, because that's. That's, how, do, how do you combat that other than just through the blood of Christ and loving not our lives unto the death? And that's really the only thing that it comes down to is if we love ourselves, if we love our lives, if we love our material things more than the cross of Christ, we, we've given it up to the enemy. We, we've, we forgot our goal. We forgot our purpose. Um, I want to turn over to Ephesians because along those same lines, I've been thinking a lot about unity. And I was at a wedding yesterday, and it was great because all in all, it was, it was a really nice wedding, and, and, and I believe that for the most part, God was glorified, and the, the, the pastor shared a lot about, you know, how it means nothing to be married if your marriage isn't founded on Christ and whatnot. But a lot of people came together for a common purpose, but after that day, we have nothing in common. There's, there's no greater unity than, than that one day for, for a lot of us. And I could get along with them, and we had a lot of fun, but Sunday comes around, and everybody's going and doing what, whatever they see fit in their own lives and, and in their own eyes. And a lot of times, I think we need to remember what our unity is about and, and what it's for. Um, in Ephesians 4, find it here. Let's read in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to every one of us is given a, a grace according to the measure of the gift of God. I don't know about you, but that scripture seems very clear that there's really only one way. And yet there's 30 different churches in Wickenburg. And there's 
And within those churches, people have their opinions of what it really means to serve God, or even within, within our own church. But if we're coming together in a unity that's not of the Spirit and, and to, to what we were called, it doesn't mean anything. We can come together for any purpose, and we can build you know, the greatest thing, the, the biggest monument to God. But if it's not what we're called to, and it's not of His Spirit, that unity means absolutely nothing. You know, and I was thinking a lot about we do a lot of it, we do a lot of stuff together, and I think that that's a good and I think that's a right thing. I think the more that we find God's heart and, and find that spirit of unity, two things will happen. One, we're going to do a lot more stuff together, and two, we're going to realize that whether we're playing video games or having a potluck or having a meeting, we're fulfilling the heart of God and we're fulfilling His spirit because we become of one mind and one unity and one spirit. And when, when I think of communion, I think of it, and I've always thought that it's not just between me and God. I don't take communion at my house by myself. We take communion together as a body, as, a, as, a, as this church saying that we are the body of Christ, we are the bride of Christ together, communing with him. And, whenever, and that's why I think it talks about, you know, if, if there's any problems with people, they need to put those things aside before they take communion because it's... It's a war within the body of Christ. It's, it's, it, it's like a cancer that's not supposed to be there. The body's not working together as it should be. And I think when we come to the Lord, it has to be that absolute just surrender to Him, that His will, His work is greater to me than whatever problem I might have or that I can't work with Darius or Randy or Pat or all these things, that God would be glorified. And when we come to Him, our personal preferences, the, our, our flavor... It melts away, and in, in that we can come to know God more. Service and come forward. Lord God, we just come before you right now, humbled by your awesomeness, humbled by your gift of love and sacrifice. Lord, we know that it wasn't only just that we might be saved, but it was also an example to us of how we're supposed to lay down our lives to you. Lord, as we partake of this communion, may our hearts be pure before you. May we repent of those things that have not only torn us away from you, but torn us away from the body, torn us away from the people that you've given us to walk with, to know you more. Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit be faithful in our lives, that it works in us, your great work, and that we might be closer knit together in the one unity under you, the one true God, that we might know you more, that we might be able to, in that unity, go into all the world and preach the gospel, that your name might be glorified. Amen.
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This is my cup of the New Testament in my blood. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Amen. And that's a great part of the work that God has established the church. And that's really what we're here to do is is, is to glorify God or allow Him to be glorified in our lives. And we've been talking about that, of of the mutual conversation, of of why, you know, God has established the church. And a lot of, we talked a little bit on Wednesday that, you know, a lot of times we just, we look kind of at the Lord in these kind of funny ways, kind of like, in the heavenly realms and things like that and kind of get these ethereal, mystic notions of the Lord. But that's not God's plan, nor was it God's plan. You know, in in the infinite wisdom of God, He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you and me, in flesh. He was born, had to grow up, had to be fed, had to be taken care of, had to work, had to go through all these things. And He overcame, He said, He overcame this world. He came into the world. He was not of this world, but he overcame the world for our sakes, for our sakes. And God has got a wonderful, he's got a great plan going on. And man, when we sinned, we got off track. We got off track. The whole universe basically got off track when sin entered in. But even though we're off track and the universe is off track, it never changed God's plan, not one bit. One like, oh wow, now what's He going to do? God has been moving from all eternity on the same purpose, on the same plan, and that's now being fulfilled through Jesus Christ in His church. That it would be Christ in you, the hope of glory. So even though that we kind of look and the world seems off skew or we're kind of off skew or we're off track, God's right on track. God's right on track. And in sending His Son, He's reconciled, redeemed all things back to Himself. Nothing's outside of His power. Nothing's outside of His control. His purpose and will are going to be done and are being done in our lives. And He created through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ His body resurrected. We took part of the body and blood of Jesus Christ today. But I heard, I heard this, you know, it kind of was an interesting thing. We, the body of Christ 
partook of his body body and blood this morning. And we need to see ourselves as his body and Christ living in us. And we need to see, you know, he only does wondrous things, the scripture says. He only does marvelous things. And, you know, as Pat was saying, sometimes, you know, we, we forget that. You know, and some other idols pop up in our mind, you know, through emotions or something bad happens. We, we kind of figure God's out of control or somebody got away with something. You know, the song said, no scheme of man can pluck us from his hand. It's good to sing that on the mountaintop this morning. It's good that God has brought us to the mountaintop. But how many times do we think they're getting a hold of me? They're taking advantage of me. They're, well, that's the wrong kind of speech. See, when Jesus Christ saved us, we believe that's a perfect and fulfilled work. But all that Christ does is perfect. All that God does is good. And so when he created the church, he created it for a reason that we should be daily being washed by the water of the word. That we should be daily being baptized. We should be daily hearing the word. And that's why we need to provoke one another to speak the word because that's why God has created the church. We couldn't do it on our own. You know, it's, it's God's, God's, you have to laugh, otherwise you'd cry. You know, because if you, if you haven't been overwhelmed yet, you're not old enough. <laughs> Just wait. God's got this wonderful thing called life. He, want, he, he leaves us in life. As a matter of fact, it was so much of God's purpose from the very beginning that he sent Jesus to this world into this life to overcome this life so that he would be the way, the truth, and the life. That we could say, wow, God is in me. And we could walk with him by the grace of God. But so many times we're looking to escape this life, escape this, escape that, because we just have some other ideas. We have some other idols. We have some other notions that get us off track again. But God's purpose hasn't changed. He's going to work His will, and even more so from the Holy Spirit working within us, He's going to, his, his ultimate purpose will be fulfilled. God will be all in all. We have the opportunity, the blessing, the calling of God by faith to proclaim that now. I think there's a song we sing like that, you know. But the greatest treasure of all is to those that say it now or something, proclaim it now. Yeah, by faith. By faith, because sometimes it doesn't appear that God's working. Has anybody noticed that in your life lately? Yeah. But we're to mount up with wings as eagles. See, we're supposed to, God from time to time will take us into those mountaintop experiences. But that's not where we know Him. That's not where we really overcome. God's desire is that, yeah, it's good to remember Sunday. It's good to remember, you know, the revelations of God. But he's going to bring us back down to this world. And that's where we're going to know him. That's where he's going to prove us. That's where we're going to find faith having to be exercised. That's where God wants to be glorified. You know, Paul says, "Doubt, no doubt, I'm going to come to revelations. And it's actually because of that reason. Because of the greatness of God that was working in Paul's life for the abundance of the revelations and the power that was working in Paul's life, God had to help Paul. Otherwise, Paul said, like Adam said, he might be a little haughty. He might want to, like, tell you, I know things you don't know. Boy, you're sure dumb. Boy, I'm going to tell you what God showed me. He said, I'm not going to glory about that person. That person doesn't even interest me. He's going to glory in the things that he suffers. So God had to help him knowing that he had a weakness. And Paul, being like a man just like you and me, as God was helping him, prayed that God would stop helping him. Three times. I mean, I'm guessing those were three heavy times. Three times he said, God, deliver me from this thing. There was a messenger from Satan to buffet his flesh. Sent by the Lord to keep him from getting too haughty. Oh God, this can't be you. Oh God, get rid of this. You know what kind of work I could do if I just wasn't so dumb? I mean, I go through this all the time. I'm really a, not a bright person. And you know, the, the amount of stupid things that I think of doing is unbelievable. And then the amount of stupid things I do is even worse. 
It's like, man, that was really dumb. You know, we're just really not that bright. And by the grace of God, he's starting to show me. Boy, but you know, God may have created me dumb. How many people would like that one? No, I want to be created like Albert Einstein. Well, it wouldn't matter. See, because God puts us in the body. We, Adam read that. He gives each of us gifts as he sees fit. How many people would like the dumb gift? No, let's give that to Scott. You know, or, you know, give it to somebody else. You know, it's kind of like not the, gra- it's, you know, not the grab bag. Now I'm going to exchange that one. No, this, no, I don't want that one. That one doesn't look good. This suit's a little tight. No. He chooses. And it's in his calling and creation in us and of us that he chooses to be glorified. This is the great mystery. Because it doesn't yet appear who we are. It doesn't yet appear what's working in us. But when we see him, when Christ appear, then we're also going to appear with him in... Say it like you mean it. Glory. We're going to see him in glory. But right now I said... See, right now, we don't live in glory, do we? No. By faith, we can apprehend it. But when he appears, we're going to appear with him and be with him in glory. But right now, we see him made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, that by the grace of God, he should taste death for every man. And we, by faith, are reaching in behind the veil. Behind the veil, the body. Have you ever had to reach beyond the veil in this church? I don't see the Lord. Oh, I see these stupid old people, man. They don't know anything. Yes, they don't know anything. You finally got it. And when God gives you the revelation, you're complaining. I'm just talking from personal experience. Have you ever had God work in your life and the first words out of my mouth is, this is dumb. This is like stupid. What's the point? God says, that was it. You don't know me. God's ways are not our ways. And I continually find a law in my members. When I desire to do good, evil's present. So I can't, this is Romans chapter 7, I can't do those things that I want. So with the mind, I serve God, but with the flesh, I serve sin. And there's this constant battle that goes on. Who is going to deliver me from this? Well, if I work hard enough, like Adam was saying, if I work just a little bit good enough, if I stay in this church long enough, no, every day the battle's going to get worse. He's, Paul finds himself in a dilemma. Hopefully you'll find yourself in that dilemma every day. But the mutual conversation, we need to wash one another with the water of the word. But you might be like John, saying, don't do it, I, I can't baptize, I'm not worthy. Have you ever been, that, have you ever been in that place? Yeah. You ever been hum, more humble than God? Yeah. It's called a lie. No, I, I, I can't receive that from you. Oh, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. I'm unworthy. He says, no, you got it wrong. This is what you need to do. How many people don't speak because you're just not worthy? I couldn't say that because I'm not doing it. We're arguing with God. Of course you're not worthy. You're never going to be worthy. Whether you do it or not, you're not going to be worthy. The only thing is, I want to be a channel. Anybody remember the song? I want to be a channel. For the river of God. So I want to be a channel for the river. What is the channel? So dig me deep, Lord, and dig me. Where's the channel? It's not on satellite TV. It's in the dirt. They dig the channel, dig it deep. And dig it wide. So the river of God can come through. They have this treasure. What treasure? What's the treasure? Christ in us, the hope of glory. But it's, it's secretly, it's, it's, it's really camouflaged well. You couldn't find it unless God opens our eyes. I wouldn't be able to see it this morning. I wouldn't be able to see it tomorrow morning. I'm not going to see it at work. I'm not going to see it in my wife. I'm not going to see it at the grocery store. Because it's so well hidden. You know where it's hidden? We have this treasure. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's hidden in earthen vessels. Hallelujah. And so it seemed right in the sight of God. Therefore, I balk at it every time. How come these stupid people in church? Man, again, why doesn't God save anybody good? He can't. Jesus said we can't save anybody good. It would be impossible for good people to get saved. Does anybody here qualify? So next time, instead of complaining 
about what you're seeing because you're not really seeing what you should be seeing. Rather give thanks that God, boy, this church is full of stupid people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. See, many times we actually, the, the sign we had up a few months ago, haven't heard from God yet? Start listening. The many, many times it's just, we, we just have our own interpretation. See, because we, we, we always have a plan. We're always, we always have an agenda. Have you ever met people who says, I have no agenda? Run from them. They're so deceived. They're, 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 or they're big liars. Let's just confess to the Lord today. I've got an agenda. I've got a plan. And it doesn't include you. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. You know, help me, Jesus. Yeah, I just, I, I really hate being dumb. I mean, it's one of, you know, I, I just hate being dumb. You know, and I know God could make me smart. And that would be a miracle. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm just talking like, you know, getting through life. You know, but he says, no, this, I, have a, I have a purpose. And even if you were the smartest person on the earth, you'd still be dumb when it comes to God's things. Have you been trying to figure out what God's things are? E equals MC squared doesn't work. It doesn't work. We have to know him. We have to know him. So in, next time you find something dumb, look for the Lord in it. See, why did he make this stupid church? Well, it's his plan. Maybe because he's got some things in you that need to get worked out. See, God's plan almost always never looks to me like God's plan. And let's just take a few examples. And then try to find those working in your life today. But tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's really nice. Because Sunday's like a day off. You know? I mean, there's a saying in the world, thank God for Friday. Yeah, yeah. I just wish, wish it would stay Monday or, or far away from Sunday as possible. But we always think of like, oh, the weekend, it's, a day, it's Sunday, it's a day off. This is kind of like we go to church, but it's really not real. <laughs> you know, we hear some good stuff, but Monday we're going to have to do it again. I got to, you know. Well, that's, it's good to have the revelation. Good to go up on the mountain. But God's going to meet us down, down in the valley in this thing called life. And instead of escaping from it, God says, watch with me. Watch with me. I'm going to show you some things that it's, it's me moving in your life. It's not you being stupid. It's not some scheme of man. And even Ephesians talks about that. Don't get, don't get tossed to and fro by every cunning scheme of man. Oh, well, there's this new teaching. There's that new teaching. There's no new teaching. Be careful if there is. Jesus is the fulfillment of all doctrine. He is the teaching. I got a new teaching. Good. Keep it to yourself. You know, let me know how it works out. There's one new teaching. His mercies are new every morning. I need those. But God's plan, God help us not to be so dumb. God help us not to be so dumb. Help us to start grabbing hold of Jesus Christ in our life. Because he's really there to set us free. You know, he's really there to set us free. But like we, we were talking about, I think on Wednesday, but the Bible talks about that Paul, they were pressed out of measure in Asia. And they, they had the sentence of death on them for one reason. He said we were so despair, we, you know, persecuted but not forsaken, pressed down. Pat made a mistake today. It's okay. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you did. He said, I've never been persecuted. Well, I know what he meant. But the reality is I'm persecuted every day. My flesh won't leave me alone. Yeah, right. It just is always saying, oh yeah, and you think you're the son of God. Oh yeah, if God was really, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm persecuted every day. But it's God's will. He even warns us. But we, we don't, I don't know what it is. I think we just have too much hope in ourselves. We kind of read the story and go, boy, I hope those guys learn that someday. When are they going to get it together? Paul was helping him get it together. He was persecuting the church. He was so zealous. He might not have been as dumb as me. He just was so together. He was going to help God take care of the problem. God said, you know, you've been, I don't know, 40, 50 years, 30 years. I, I separated you from your mother's womb. Are you going to like get it together yet now? He says, who are you? Well, I'm the one you've been persecuting. Did you miss that sometimes? Who are these people? It's me. Who have you been persecuting? 
Because what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. Wow. So the plan of God. The plan of God many times doesn't look like the plan of God in our life. And this is where the spiritual man knows all things. The spiritual man has to judge all things. Because in the flesh, and that's why Jesus came, He set us, came to set us free from our flesh. This thing that persecutes me. Who will deliver me? Remember the story of the body of death? Who remembers the story? I'm waiting on Spencer. You remember? Okay, I don't believe you. <laughs> what is it? Short version. Got it. Okay, good, good. Just want to make sure you weren't shining me on. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ came to set us free from the body of death that's rotting on me daily. We don't, there is none, there is no flesh justified in his presence. There is no good works that ever glorify God. It's only the things that Christ does. It's only his blood that remains in us. So Jesus Christ, and this is the great separation. Or another word would be the great what? Thank you. I was going to say, we have to get rubber, uh, bubblegum cigars. Give that man a cigar. <laughs> that would sure get around. Yeah. Yeah. The great exchange. See, if we don't understand, if, see, if we're still attached, which we are, we'll get back to the hope, because we just have hope in ourselves is so entrenched that even when I desire to serve God in my mind, I don't. Paul says, who's going to deliver me from this? Well, thank God, thanks be to God, God had the answer. You didn't have the answer. You won't have the answer. It's an end to striving. It's an end to works. I believe when we start really getting hold of the grace of God, we're going to be talking more about the Lord instead of about me. Oh, I had a bad day. You know? we're, going to have, we're going to find out what it is. <laughs> I read something today. What <laughs> I'm laughing now because I'm going to be crying tomorrow. You know, I think God's probably got, got the, one of the greatest sense of humors that I hate in the whole world. There's a guy named, I, I, I told John Hicks one time, he sent me some tapes a while ago, and John Hicks has this, he preaches and he laughs. <laughs> like, you know, he's got one on you. And he said, how'd you like the tapes? I said, well, they're really good, but I hated them. I mean, you know, your laugh just, you know, just... <clears throat> You know, I don't find anything funny. But God really has got this sense of humor once we're set free. Once we're on his side. You know, you can start seeing the pie coming. How many people have ended up with it on your face? Well, see, God wants to say, it's coming again, duck. And we can, oh, you got him. I saw that coming this time. Thank you. The Lord must have given me a revelation. Yeah. Oh, God's plan. So he's dividing between us. So we need, we, need to be the, we need to be living in that new creation. The new creation then has to be, the old creation has to be crucified. Has to be continually brought to death. And we talk about the cross. See, what is the cross? Thank you. Okay. Now, now according to what I'm speaking, what I believe the Bible has lay, wanting to lay a foundation in our life, what should be the mutual conversation then of the washing of the water to produce or to keep that new creation growing and being cleansed and being equipped? What would be a good thing to be speaking about? The cross. The cross. But how many people find that hard? It doesn't come up in natural conversation. Could you pass the gravy? No cross in that one. I've got to deliberately identify with Christ's desire in the other person. I have got to put on that spiritual person. I have got to remind you that you're here for one reason in the flesh is for your flesh to die. See, there's a scripture that's been coming to me. I don't, don't know why and I don't have full understanding and never will on this side. But the Bible talks, maybe I'm getting older. The Bible talks about there's one enemy yet to be overcome. Death. We're going to all face that one enemy, death. And the it, Bible calls it an enemy. And we're going to have to overcome it. And thanks be to God, we, uh, we have overcome it. But there's still going to be a battling for that. But as a matter of fact, you know, death is the gift of God. Without the death, we could have no redemption. 
Without the death, we couldn't be saved. But yet it calls it an enemy. It's an enemy to my flesh. And yet we're going to overcome that because the Bible even says, David says, teach me to number my days that I could walk before you. If there was no death, do you know how arrogant we would be? I mean, look how bad we are now. But that's when, when Jesus looked down and the father they said, boy, we better put a flaming angel around that tree of life. Let's these guys live forever. We don't want these arrogant people eating at that tree anymore. We better stop them. So God introduces death into the world for our salvation. But it is an enemy, Bible calls it. See, even in the book that reveals God, he's still hidden in, in shrouds of darkness. And the only way that I could possibly understand him is by reaching out by faith. And faith is the cross that crucifies my flesh. So if we understand that the cross is an instrument of death, it's not a self-helps program. It's not to help you be better. It's not to get rid of a few areas in your life. It's not to make you a better person. Because if it becomes just something that is to make you better, we miss the entire point of what God's plan was, and it was death. It was death. So without death, there can be no resurrection. Without death, we only have the glory of the celestial, terrestrial, the natural glory. But that which is what he really wants is the celestial glory. It has to be sown in corruption. Thank God there had to be death that I could come to a place and say, Lord, I need a savior. Because this corruptible is going to be sown and it's going to come up incorruptible. We're going to have, we're going to see him when he appears. We're going to see him and we're going to be like him in glory. glory. But there's always, there's there's just one kicker. There's an enemy in the way. It's called the cross. We've got to go through the cross. I need some help. See, I need somebody to put me on the cross. Jesus didn't nail himself to the cross. Peter didn't nail himself to the cross. Paul didn't send himself to prison. I need some help. Will somebody please nail me to the cross? Okay, wait a minute. (laughs) That's a bad attitude I felt. Yeah. Well, how's that going to be? By speaking the word of faith. By speaking truth instead of giving me a therapeutic gospel. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. You're just having a bad day. <laughs> i got to read this now. Yeah, I got on the top of my thing. Thank you, Father. I think I saw that even before the sign across the street. Good sign across the street. I thought maybe our sign. Maybe. Just put on there. Thank you. Yeah, we got the message. Thank you, Father. Instead of, you know, complaining about your dumb wife, your dumb kids, your dumb self, the stupid church, the bad job, Maybe in life we might find the Father. Thank you, Lord. You're working in my life. Thank you that I'm being persecuted because i got to die in order to see you. That's a tough one, isn't it? How many people here... You know, there's certain things that we've learned that you never have to go to school for or just... You, you just are. You can put someone in a room that... You know, we never have to, I never have to get up here and say, you know, the Bible has, has, it talks about not to complain. But since you're not really good complainers, I think I need to teach you how to complain and murmur. We're, we're, just, we're just like born into it. We just, that needs to be crucified. Someone needs to help me with the cross. You know, it's not like you need not to talk like that. Don't you realize that's sin? That's death. That's mortal sin. That's not being. That's not allowing the grace of God. So the, the God has created the church because the word in itself would be enough if we understood it. But the word actually tells us that he creates the church. And he creates gifts in the church. And he creates that we should be speaking a spiritual word, baptizing one another, continually washing one another daily in the water of the word. Are we speaking that spiritual word to one another? That's got to come in there someplace between past the chicken and the cup of coffee and how was work and somehow the cross has got to be brought into it on a daily basis. And when we start speaking that, guess what's going to happen? Our flesh is going to be persecuted and it might die. And then we're going to get some victory at that moment. But sometimes we just end up being having a therapeutic gospel because Ishmael's so cute. He's been around for 13 years. I mean, he's, he's part of me. Abraham hears from God. Says, get rid of Ishmael and the woman. And Abraham, you know what he says? No. I like him. He's, he's a nice little boy. He's not that bad. You know what's 
You can't inherit. We're not going to be able to inherit as long as the flesh is still together. Yeah. So we've got to, I need some help throwing out Ishmael. You know. But sometimes he's really cute. And I, Grace did something today, just made me laugh. But it was totally, you know, I mean, it's going to grow up into a good naughty seed. You know. But sometimes they're just so cute. It needs a mercy killing. (laughs) Kill them because they're cute. You know, I really feel bad for cute people. I mean, really. You know, Adam was kind of saying it. You know, we've got areas that we just, we have just learned how to be good at. Shoot them. Just nail them. Romans chapter 11. I want to read this. Like I said, I got this. I read this this morning. Because sometimes we just don't interpret. We don't interpret life real well at all. And we, we always fall back to Ishmael. We always fall back to our flesh. We fall back to a therapeutic gospel. We fall back to wanting to keep myself alive. We're wanting to fall back to something else. But God is at work in your life and he sent some things into your life because he is at work in your life to humble you and so you wouldn't be proud like Paul. You just might get too proud because how many, how many people have ever met proud Christians? Yeah. Oh, I'm saved. I know the Lord. Yeah. Well, I'd be worried because after I don't know how many years of walking with the Lord, doing miracles, caught up to the third heaven, establishing churches, being used to write most of the Bible, an apostle of apostles, you know, if you want to say that. Paul's statement was, I don't know him. I'm coming to the place that more and more I just don't know him. I want to follow him. I want to press in. But this flesh can't know him. I only know him by faith. I only know him by, the, by his blood exercising power in my life. But it's so, isn't it? How many people just like to be proud? Just like to have something over on the kids. Uh, kids, I said it too bad. You know, have you ever watched the children do that? We had Pastor Mon eggs at our house yesterday. Yeah, Hannah did. You didn't go home and make fun of anybody, did you? No. But, so, you know, I'm, didn't Hannah, hadn't, Hannah wouldn't do that. <laughs> but, you know, there might be someone amongst us that would come home and say, instead of being thankful, guess what we had? <laughs> you did. You know, we just, we're just that way, you know. And that, 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 that has to die. You know, but when we, what the problem is, is when we, when we bring that into the spiritual realm, the quote unquote spiritual realm, we're into the church. Well, there's, there's nothing that our flesh could glory in. And if you, if you heard anything from God, you would have to be like Peter. You didn't get that on your own. The only reason you got that is my father decided you should hear about it. And so he told you. And, and you're not going to be able to save it up. Because you actually, you, you be, be careful when God speaks to you. Your emotions might get involved. You might think you made it. You think you did it on your own. So the next thing the Lord might be speaking to you, unless God, by His grace, would open your eyes, you would have to speak like the devil. Saying, don't do that, Lord. <laughs> How many people have ever said that to the Lord? Don't do that in my life. I don't want to be here. I don't know why this is happening. You know, I don't... Oh, well, you might be talking like someone Peter knew. The devil. See, but Jesus was bringing not a therapeutic gospel. He was bringing the cross. He was helping. He was bringing the word that would wash Peter from that fleshly thinking to say, oh, it's not me. It's not me. So Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him for all are all things... To whom be glory forever. Amen. Then, there's a little saying, like I said, there was a quote. Nothing touches our lives, but it is God himself speaking. Do we discern his hand or only mere occurrences? Do we, as we're walking through the, after we've come down from the mountain... Is it just mere occurrences or do we really start hearing God speaking in everything in our life? Or do we want to be miniature providences, which would mean like we're like God, which would be 
which would be, say it a little louder, we forget that, we forget that. Yeah, we think, oh, I just made a mistake. No, it's sin. It's sin. Now, talking about the great trade, because we had a trade, I'm trading myself. Did you notice what was missing in that song? Say it. Sin. We want to do everything else. Well, it was a mistake. I didn't mean... It's sin. There's a great trade, and this is what will bring us to freedom. If we can understand that God is for us by faith, even though He puts some enemies in our life, like a messenger from Satan to keep me from, you know, getting off the wall or bringing death that I'm going to have to overcome through Christ. He's working all things together for my good. And so... The great trade is, and in, 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 in 2 Corinthians, we'll, we'll, we'll talk on this. He said, he, Jesus Christ was made sin for me. That, that he would impute unto me his righteousness. I am saved, I'm, I mean, I'm given the righteousness of God only because of who and what Jesus has done. There is nothing else that I can do to have the righteousness of God. So I am totally righteous before the Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty because God has willed it to be so. And God has done the ultimate work. Now in that, we should be able to glory and walk with Him in all that He wants to do in our life. But the great trait is, see, I can only receive... See, we have to empty ourselves. And the great trait is if Jesus is is our righteousness... He gives us, it says, he, he imputes the righteousness of God to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. What do we, what does, and don't shout it out, give us a few seconds to think. What is it that we can give Jesus and what is it that he wants? If he gives us his righteousness, what can we give him and what does he want from us? Okay, I see some hands. Yeah, someone, be careful, God's going to send a messenger of the devil. <laughs> Does anybody know besides the kids? Because they get, they get, they get, a, they you know, they get a, a preview. Go ahead, Hannah. Yeah, whose sin? Yeah, he wants my sin. The only thing I could possibly give him would be my sin. But we get so mad because how many people have tried to give him some good stuff lately, and get, he didn't want it. Maybe he rejected it. Paul, Saul was going around doing a lot of good things, didn't want it. But when he realized that the only thing he could do was give him his sin, righteousness was imputed. But I tried so. Nope, you're back to the therapeutic gospel. No, all you. Jesus, the only thing we can give him, and the only thing he wants is our sin. That's, I mean, that's what he's talking to Job. He said, Job, what do you think I need from you? If I was hungry, do you think I'd tell you? This is, what, this is actually in Job. I'm not, this is not made up. He's going. Even if I had a need, I'm going to ask, look at you, you can't even, you know, (laughs) get it together. He doesn't need anything. And there's nothing that we can give him. There's none righteous, no, not one. So what could you possibly give him? There's none that seek after God. I've been trying so hard. No, you haven't. Oh, that sounds mean. It's the cross. You've got to kill that in order for the resurrection, for the righteousness to be imputed to us. So all things are for him. Nothing comes into our lives except God is speaking. Himself is speaking. Or do we, how do we discern what's going on in life? How many people have heard this, this statement? I've just been lucky. I've been lucky today. You missed it. You missed it. I'm just having a bad day. Nope, you missed it. Is God speaking? See, is it just some happenstance things, occurrences going on in your life? Or is God really ordering our steps? All things are for Him and by Him and to His glory. Or do we just go around saying, "Oh, I'm just having a bad day. Oh, I was lucky today. Boy, this was." I was thinking about this, you know. I'm not. I mean, compared to some people, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not well off. You know, I mean, I look at. You ever hear about these people? You know, they got ninety million dollars. This is a test, Spencer. Who's that money for? Thank you, Micah. Yeah. Yeah. The the wealth of the heathen is being stored up for... Hallelujah. How many people heard that? Well, why doesn't he give it to me now? Well, I don't know why, other than... Even though we're the heirs of all things, 
there's some scriptures we just refuse to hear. Even though we are the sons of, of the, we are joint heirs of the inheritance. Even though we are to inherit all things, yet in this age we are put, we are put under governors and tutors until the appointed time when we see him in. Glory. Yeah. But right now we're under governors and tutors. But there's a, we are, but by faith we understand. I got some 90 million coming. Wow. Now, maybe we couldn't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to give you the answer because, you know, I, I'd like a little more of it now. I probably couldn't handle it. I mean, the children of Israel, they thought they could handle it. God says, I can't do that. You couldn't handle it. I can't give it to you all at once. You wouldn't be able to handle it. As a matter of fact, I give it to you a little bit. You're not going to be able to handle it. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I'm becoming more, a little more thankful. Was somebody cold? Yokia. Okay. Dumb church. <laughs> they. Where was I? Okay. We need to be more thankful. You know, I'm looking, and somebody said something to me up in up in up in Eureka. It was Bernie Harrelson. Bernie Harrelson's kind of very dry, you know, talking. He says, oh, you know, just very almost like he's figuring out some mathematical theory. He says. Well, yeah, you know, Victor and Christy Bedoin, yeah, you've always done pretty good. And you seem to always be prospering and this, that, and the other thing. I said, wow, you know, he's, he's really right. You know, I, I'm really prospering. I began to think, why is that? I have no idea. I can't figure out what, you know, it's just the grace of God. God chose to, you know, cause us to prosper. And, so, you know, like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not Donald Trump. I'm glad because I, I don't have his hair. Boy, do you th- know what Christy would be going through with his hair? But yeah, the wealth of the heathen is being stored up for us. We need to remember that. David had the same problem. He looked out and goes, man, I don't know what's going on. You're letting the wicked prosper all over the place. And here I am running away from Saul. What is going on? I don't understand. He comes back. He finally has to talk to his soul. There's a place to, you know, have a conversation with God. Man, I don't know. But he said, Lord, you're in control of all things. But just think. Just think. I mean, just take, you know, I mean, my father... Our, our father owns the gold and cattle on a thousand hills. Safeway small potatoes. The Bank of America, it's nothing. Just think on that day. You know, I don't know how it's all going to work and how it's going to translate. But, I mean, do you have time to take care of all the food in Safeway? No. Somebody, he's putting someone else in charge of it. I mean, I could think I could take care of all the money in Bank of America, but, you know, <laughs> he's got someone taking care of it. But, all the interest that's coming your way. It doesn't yet appear who we are. It doesn't yet appear who we are, but by faith, we're overcoming that final enemy, which is death. There's a final enemy, death, that's actually going to, you know, but that's going to be the easy one. You know, it's the dying daily that seems to be tough. So we need to start seeing that all the things, all the things in life that come our way are God directly speaking to us instead of, I just had a bad break today. Things just didn't go my way. Boy, I'm lucky. No, I'm not lucky. God has designed some things. God has designed some things. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, I just was lucky today. Well, what does that say? It says the Lord's out to lunch. You know, somehow I, I pulled this off today. You know, I, I, I rolled enough dice and seven came up. That's not the Lord. See, the Lord's got some things in, in store for us. Yeah. But so often God's plan doesn't appear like... We, remember we started out like this? God's plan. And this is where we don't need to start hearing God's plan. And, and, and one of the great purposes of God is this flesh has to be dealt with because it continually rises up. And it's so great that Paul said we had the sentence of death on us. We despaired of life. We were pressed out of measure so far for one reason. So we'd learn not to hope in ourselves. We always have hope in ourselves. We think we're going to... Watch people's eyes. I mean, you know, I can almost begin to tell. I can almost tell when a kid is going to do something wrong. Might be an hour away, a day, but I see the spark. It's in his eyes. He's got some hope. I know we're not supposed to get in the cookies, but I have a plan. (laughs) I think I can get away with it. 
that has to be broken. See, it has to be continually broken because you're going to get caught seven times. The eighth time is a winner. I'm going to be lucky now. <laughs> God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And we cannot hope in ourselves. We have to come to the place that God is everything. And the only righteousness I have is what he imputes. There is no goodness in me. And the more we're speaking on the cross, the more we get away from that therapeutic gospel of, well, I want to just straighten you up a little bit. No, I want you to die. I want you to die. That Christ could resurrect in us. Because if we don't understand that God is at work in us, then the things that actually happen, not on the mountaintop, we, don't, we shouldn't be looking for the mountaintop experiences. God will send those from time to time. But He's going to prove us in the, in the life experiences. And that's where we need to start discerning. Is it God speaking to me or is it just, you know, you're dumb and that, this, that, and the other thing. So here we have Joseph. We all know the story of Joseph. God is going to use Joseph. But the beginning of the, the story doesn't look like God's plan at all. How many people here would choose, okay, today you're going to be sold into slavery by your brothers. That would be the devil. Oh, then at the end of some years of his basically same story, death working in Joseph, to where God would live in him. He says, wow. No, this was no scheme of man. God was speaking. It wasn't I had a bad day. It wasn't your jealousy. It wasn't this. It was God was working all the time. And in so much, in, in all the things that we do, I mean, even the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you, would you, that's why the gospel, the message of God is hidden. Would you consider that would be God's plan? You know, have his son crucified? And what, what did we, how did we esteem that? We esteemed the stricken smitten of God. He was cut off. Get to the road to Emmaus. We were supposed to talk about that today. We didn't. They said, oh, it's, it's all over with. It's all over with. And Jesus had to explain to them what was going on. And most of the time in your life, the things that you, you think are the devil, you think are the bad things, the things that this couldn't be God. God is at work in those. He's speaking. Can we then rise a spiritual man? There's persecution. The flesh is saying, man, it's no good. And I, my brothers, and man, it's, I don't want to watch. It's persecution. But the washing of the water by the word is going to say, you know, God's speaking. God set me free. I am the righteousness of God. God's purpose is here right now, right before Pontius Pilate. Right before. I mean, can you imagine getting, you know, beat up for preaching the gospel? Getting thrown in prison for doing the work that God's called you to do. Your back's laid open with sticks. Well, I wouldn't. That doesn't look like the plan of God. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And the plan is, ultimately, just, we have to just yield our... Die. You don't even want to say yield. It's only by faith that I begin to speak that. And we need the washing of the water by the word. Yep. So, where we're living... See, God has already orchestrated. That's where he wants us to know him. Not in the mountaintop experience. It's good you learned some things. You saw some things in heaven, that's good, Peter. Paul, put that away, because that's not who you're going to glory in. I want to glory in my weaknesses. I want to glory in where Christ has stripped himself and is washing my feet. I want to glory in the, in the opportunity that I get to suffer for making up the suffering that's still lacking in the body of Christ. I want to be able to be poured out. Lord, help me. To, the opportunities. Because if we don't understand that, the, that God is out, the gospel is out to crucify my flesh, then I'm always, I'm always fighting against God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I've got to do it by faith. Thank you that Donald Trump has got $9 million, $90 million dollars. Thank you that, you know, I have to crucify. I can't say that by, except by faith. And I'm grabbing hold of the Lord Jesus Christ in me. And we wash one another with the water of the word. And as we start going through this thing called life designed by God, specifically, daily, set up, and he's speaking to us, we might have the hope of the gospel knowing that he's my righteousness, not myself. Amen? And next week we'll get to my notes. Praise the Lord. All right. I don't know. Do you want to try to eat at the park? What do you think? I mean, I'm dumb. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't trust me. Oh, we won't have the thing. No, I think it's better here, huh? 
Or do you want to eat? I mean, we'd run the chance of just eating out at the outside. They're all as dumb as I am. Look at that. <laughs> no, we'll just eat here. We can go to the park, whoever wants to go to the park later. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Amen.